Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Tuesday, June 9th. I am Kyle Hilliard. I'm back after taking yesterday off. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. The Last of Us Part II's director, Neil Druckmann, talks about what might come next for the studio, and we learn some new details about The Last of Us HBO show. And itch.io is selling a bundle of a thousand games for charity, and there's some really good ones in there. Nutty Dog's Neil Druckmann doesn't know if the studio is making Last of Us 3 or something completely new next. GQ's Sam White posted a long-form piece this morning about the development of The Last of Us Part 2. White was working with the studio for a long time, collecting interviews and watching the game be made in real time. And the resulting piece is an interesting one, worth reading. It's linked in the show notes. I admit, though, I glazed past certain paragraphs where it started delving into light spoiler territory. There are no big revelations, as far as I know, but as someone who wants to know literally nothing about The Last of Us Part Two, I kind of let my eyes jump forward in the article when White started describing, for example, what was happening in scenes that the actors were motion capturing. I don't want to know any of that stuff. Some interesting tidbits from the article... White shared the internal code names of past Naughty Dog games, which I don't think I had ever heard before. Jack and Daxter was called Next internally. Uncharted was called Big. And The Last of Us was called simply Thing. White also wrote about some of Last of Us Part 2's impressive accessibility. White wrote, There's an entire text-to-speech option for the hearing impaired, and the designers have created aural signatures for the blind so that you can navigate your way through the game without eyesight, which is very cool. The most interesting tidbit for me, though, was something very small that concerns what's next for Naughty Dog after The Last of Us Part Two. White wrote, In terms of what's next for Naughty Dog, Druckmann has some plans, ideas swirling around. As you start wrapping things up creatively, there are fewer and fewer responsibilities, and my mind can't help but think about the next thing, he says. So yeah, the next thing could be a part three, the next thing could be some new IP. Ultimately, the best idea wins. I'm rooting for new IP, personally, but I am also saying that as a person who has not played The Last of Us Part Two yet. Maybe after finishing that game, I will want nothing more than to see what's next for that world. But with The Last of Us Part 2 releasing on June 19th, which is very close, I am eager to just play that game. And then see Naughty Dog potentially mix it up in the future. There are a few additional details about The Last of Us HBO show. Continuing on this 
Last of Us news train in Sam White's GQ story. There are two sentences about The Last of Us HBO show, and they read, Druckmann talks about how stoked he is for the challenge of writing for HBO. It really lets us focus on the characters and the drama and show you other aspects of those characters, he says. And then alongside that, the show has figured out at least its first director with Johan Rank, who worked on a few episodes of Breaking Bad, as well as HBO's Chernobyl. Rank spoke with DiscussingFilm.net's Michael Slavin, and Slavin asked Rank about his work on The Last of Us show, and he said, I'm an executive producer on it and attached to it. It's an ongoing TV series, so that's not something that I will be able to take on to that extent, but I'm part of the series, and I will be directing at least the pilot. Then we'll see how it goes on further. As far as we know, and it sounds like the show is still in early production, so all this stuff could change, the show is meant to cover the plot of the first game. But Rank says it's ongoing, which means maybe it's being planned for multiple seasons, and maybe it will extend beyond the first game. Either that or the first hypothetical season of the show won't cover the whole first game. I guess we will just have to wait and see. I am certainly optimistic for the show. If the show is ultimately good, then I hope it's the kind of thing people who have written off video games will watch and discover so I can go, look, see, video games are telling exceptional stories. I don't have a ton of other examples to direct you toward right now, but The Last of Us is very, very good, right? Itch.io is selling a bundle for racial equality for as low as $5 that includes 1,000 different projects. Itch.io is a game publishing platform that I have admittedly not used a ton, but have always heard it's a great place to just find really creative, often short little experimental video games. Right now, the website is selling the Bundle for Racial Justice and Equality, with proceeds being split between the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and Community Bail Fund. It has already raised just under $3 million, putting it well on its way toward its $5 million goal, which it is hoping to hit within the week. The bundle is $5, but you can opt to pay more, and it gives you access to 1,000 games, which is kind of insane. There are lots of smaller projects, many of which I've never heard of, but there are also higher-profile indie games like the strategy game Overland, Night in the Woods, a charming narrative game about visiting your hometown as an adult, Minute, which is a Zelda-ish kind of puzzle game that you play one minute at a time, Oxenfree is in that bundle, and there's also A Short Hike, which is a fantastic game about climbing a mountain. I played a short hike with my daughter, and she has since replayed and beaten the game twice. That game is well worth the price of admission alone. It's a great bundle for a great cause, but it's also an intimidating one. So please feel free to tweet me some suggestions in there that I should check out. Matt Sayer at says on guitar on Twitter said I should check out Stardrop and Wakamarina Valley, New Zealand, and Casey Linden at ICK on Twitter suggested checking out The Space Between and Signs of the Sojourner. So those are on my list to play. I want to go check those out. If you have other suggestions, please let me know. Maybe I'll share them here. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Here's what released today. East Memories of Calcetta, Calcetta, I'm not certain, is out today on PlayStation 4, and it adds the additional subtitle Timeless Adventurer. The game released originally on PlayStation Vita in Japan in 2012 and in North America the following year. So this is an expanded, upgraded version of the Vita game. I'm not the biggest JRPG guy, but I reviewed E7 on PSP back in the day, and I really liked it. It's an action RPG series, and the combat is typically pretty fast and interesting. It features a lot of JRPG cliches otherwise, you know, like amnesiac protagonists and stuff like that. But I like I like the series. This entry is apparently particularly important. On the game's Amazon description page, it reads, Events that occur over the course of East Memories of Calcetta's lengthy campaign are some of the most important and far-reaching in the franchise, yet self-contained, so even series newcomers can fully enjoy the story. So, if you're interested at all, I guess this is the place to jump into the series. The Dark Eye Book of Heroes is out today on PC. It's a classic isometric perspective co-op RPG based on the German pen and paper RPG The Dark Eye. I was not familiar with The Dark Eye, but I was I was kind of looking into it. Apparently it outsold D&D at one point in Germany at least, which is pretty impressive. The Elder Scrolls Online's Greymore expansion was supposed to be out today on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, but Bethesda decided to delay it a day. On the Elder Scrolls Online's website, Bethesda wrote, We are delaying the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One launch of Greymore out of respect for George Floyd and the service planned in Houston on June 9th. The Elder Scrolls Online Greymore will now launch on June 10th for those platforms. Greymore apparently takes place in the Skyrim region of the Elder Scrolls universe, which is interesting. Project Warlock is out today on PlayStation 4. It's an old-school Doom-inspired first-person shooter where you play as a warlock. You've got guns, but you also have a crossbow. It released back in 2018 on Steam and was generally well-liked. Also in release news, CrossCode, an action RPG inspired by the SNES era of games that released on PC back in 2018 that was really well-liked, is finally coming to Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on July 9th. At one point in time, that game was meant to release much earlier, but it got delayed and kind of forgotten. I am excited to see it coming to Switch next month. I am eager to check it out. I also kept meaning to mention this, but kept forgetting. Apologies, but Overcooked is free right now on the Epic Games Store and will remain free until Thursday, June 11th, so 
Make sure you go and add that to your account. Overcooked is a very fun but also very frustrating game that has managed to inspire a new genre of complicated single-screen co-op games. That's it for gaming news today. I just I wanted to offer a huge thanks to Ben Hansen, as well as James Welsh and Brian McCullough, the guys who run this whole Ride Home Media endeavor, for helping me take the day off yesterday. It was really helpful, and I have to say it was also really bizarre to listen to Hansen's episode yesterday. I've listened to Ben Hansen talk for probably millions of hours at this point in my life, between in-person conversations and him hosting the Game Informer Show podcast for so many years, and now the Min Max Show, of course. But it was so strange to hear his voice saying versions of my familiar intros and outros, but it was also pretty cool. I did forget to tell Hansen to do an intentionally bad job to make me look better, though. I mean, but that's on me. That's my fault. In the time since you last heard from me, I actually played and beat a Google Stadia game, which I know is very strange. I had signed up for the free trial and the window was coming to a close for that trial. So I decided before canceling that it was time to really try out a game and I booted up Guilt a game I had been interested in since it was revealed, and one of the few truly exclusive Google Stadia games, and I really liked it. It's definitely a genre I like. Horror games starring young children along the lines of, you know, Play Dead's games or Little Nightmares. You play as a young girl looking for her younger cousin, and it sends her to an alternate version of her hometown that is dark and twisted and inexplicably full of monsters, there is some very clear Silent Hill inspiration in that story setup, but also in the fact that you learn that maybe the protagonist isn't quite as sympathetic as you assumed over the course of the game. It's not a particularly challenging game, with most of the gameplay revolving around avoiding monsters, but you gain abilities to fight against them over the course of the game. It's also not particularly long either, but there are some great very creepy moments like walking up to a darkened arcade and seeing this giant shadowy bipedal monster as tall as a building walking around in the distance. It has a very stranger things and visiting the upside down kind of vibe. I really liked it. In terms of the tech, it overall worked well, aided by the fact that Guilt is not a particularly twitchy game. I played mostly on my MacBook on Wi-Fi Every 10 minutes or so, I experienced a little lag, but I never had any full crashes or anything. The audio also went out of sync a few times, but caught up fairly quickly. I also did play on my desktop PC for a bit, taking advantage of the ability to jump between browsers, which was great. And as expected, it was a little more consistent on the wired connection. Overall, it was a positive experience. A few tech hiccups, but nothing too frustrating or game-breaking. And it was a good game that I feel like we all kind of slept on. It's from Tequila Works, the studio that made Rhyme, and the two share some overlap. They're both good, but different games. It's, it's one of those things where you're not too surprised to learn they're from the same developer. There was even a Rhyme arcade cabinet in the arcade, which was a fun Easter egg. Rhyme would make a terrible arcade game, though. If you have a Stadia subscription that will be expiring soon, or you were interested in checking out Stadia, I would I would recommend playing Guilt. It's a good test case for trying out the tech, and it's also a solid game. 
Also wanted to offer a quick, important Final Fantasy 13 update. I am still playing the game. I'm on disc three and I am officially into new territory and have now progressed further than I did when I played the game when it originally released back in 2010. It's funny, I was looking at my achievement list and I have, like I started unlocking achievements because now I'm into a new area in the game. And I looked at my last achievement and it was unlocked in 2010. And then my most recent achievement was unlocked in 2020, which is kind of ridiculous. I got into the open world portion of the game last night and it was an awesome, well-executed shift. The cutscene showing the new dangerous area was exciting and looking out over the environment to see these gigantic monsters stomping around, it's just cool. It makes me glad I stuck with the game for as long as I have. I am eager to keep playing and I want to see it to the end. I have generally been enjoying the game, but I am now really excited to see what's going to happen next. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at Gaming Ride Home, or you can send an email to Kyle at ridehome.info. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I am playing through Resident Evil Code Veronica X right now. And you can find me on the MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow.